0: Wendy Fleming, welcome to Cruxcast. How are you?
1: I am good. A bit nervous, but I'm good.
0: You don't have to be nervous. You you don't have to be nervous in the slightest. This is going to be this is going to be absolutely awesome. Okay. Um, even though we're just here to talk about you, and millions of people are going to watch this. You know, there's nothing to be nothing to be stressed. Yeah, about.
1: that's what's terrifying. The people, the people that are watching it. Anyway,
0: <laughs> no, it'll be superb. So. Um, Let's, uh, let's, I want to get round and circle back to how you're, how you're coping with lockdown and all that, but something really interesting happened to me today. I had my first, so I've been in a few offices since for meetings and things like that. Um, but today was the first time I went out for lunch, a business lunch. I've never done that since the start of lockdown. Uh, and I met someone in Aberdeen. I met the, the very nice uh, John Butler, for anybody that knows John Butler, the guy that's into energy transition. And we went to Food Story and uh, it was a bit weird.
1: Yeah, but you picked a good place. That's the only place I've been to in lockdown. Right. Okay. In lockdown since lockdown, it's the only place I've been to eat since lockdown, or for they're, a coffee. They're
0: they're they trying really hard. They've got a really good system, but it's mm. just it's just um I suppose I just need to do it a few times to get more comfortable. Oh, with wow. it. it's just, yeah. It's just a wee bit. A wee
1: and bit we need bored. support places like Food Story. I, yep. I was out on Saturday as well for a meal, um, to Number Ten, and they did it really well as well. So the two places I've been to. Great, doing really well. Felt safe, everything. Yeah, organised.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, I did. I wasn't there for lunch, but I did swing by Chester and Aberdeen as well mm. uh, last week. And you know, the young people in there that are in charge of this are all over it, right? Totally. All over it, and uh, and more power to them because the more we can get all over this, the more we can start getting back out <clears> again <throat> and getting on with things.
1: Super. Absolutely.
0: Well listen, thank you for joining us. This is this is a, a great pleasure for me. We are here to talk about something very close to your heart that you started a few years back now. And we're gonna come back to that. So that is ditched debt with dignity, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So we're gonna we're gonna come back to that because it's a fascinating story, a fascinating concept of how you come up with this and what you do. Um, but let's wind it back a wee bit. In true Cruxgas style, let's take it back to the start. Now, I'm I'm of the opinion that it, that life started in Peterhead. Is that right?
1: That is correct. I am a Peterhead Quine.
0: <laughs> loud and proud.
1: Oh, very loud and proud. Absolutely. You would probably know from the accent now. That had to change slightly when I started working in the bank. But no, yeah, Peterhead Quine.
0: So there's a clue in that whole uh, that whole piece there. You said when I started working in the bank. So the finance thing. So it's, you know, for people that know you, that know you're a, a chartered financial planner, you're very much into all that financial planning thing. But when did it start? How did it start? How did you get on this this track? So
1: I really thought I was going to be an actress. I decided because I had shredded the boards um, for many a year, Peterhead, pantomime, other amateur dramatics that you would have seen on the Peterhead stage, and I thought, okay, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. But obviously, realised that probably my gifts and talents were not going to take me there. And then I thought I would be um, a speech therapist again. No idea. I'd, I'd really looked into that. Um, but one day, after hold, on, my- hold
0: on, hold on, hold on a minute. You, <laughs> <think> <laughs> you were going to be a speech therapist. Yeah. Wait <laughs> why.
1: I I had a friend who'd gone to speech therapy and found it. I've, you know, what I've no idea, I just found it fascinating like voices and stuff. And yeah, really helped people. But I knew I wanted to help people, but I knew I couldn't be like a doctor or a nurse or anything that had to do with blood or puke because I wouldn't last two minutes, it would just be horrendous. So, um,
0: what is that about women from Peterhead? Do you know, do you know, Cheryl Newman?
1: Yes, well, I know, yeah, absolutely. I don't know her from Peterhead, but yeah, so.
0: You know, Sharon. so I, uh, I asked her exactly the same question: Where did it all start. And she said, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to help people. And you're both from Peterhead. See, in the water. Place,
1: exactly, exactly. The water, absolutely. <laughs> um. So, one day, I'd done my exams. I was fed up studying. I was going to. I actually had a place to go to uni. I was to think it was business or something. I was going to do, but I thought I can't. I couldn't bear another four years of studying, and I wanted to earn some cash as well. Yeah. So I was walking um, in the reception area, Peterhead Academy, and there was this post-it note up on the board, which basically, I'm sure it was like really small, saying that they were looking for juniors for the Royal Bank. So I thought, I'll give that a go. I had no idea. And everybody says a job at the bank's a good thing. Um, At that time, they said, yeah, it's a really good training, it, you know. So I went for it, applied for it, interviewed for it, and got the job.
0: So So are you saying saying that a whole career and... (laughs) and not only a whole career, but actually inventing something really specific and something new and really helpful out of that career, started with a post-it note.
1: Yeah, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm not actually, believe it or not, I'm not that interested in money. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I like nice things now and again, but I've never been driven to have loads of money or to, it's really nothing, it's never fascinated me, but I do like helping people if I can, and right. the training at the bank was amazing in those days In yeah. a three-day course to learn how to answer the phone it was epic um, so yeah i just it, I, I really enjoyed it for the first 10 years I, I ended up working for the bank for 13 years and Thank i would first 10 years were really good and then it went peak on because they started to put profit before people and it started to really grate me that every single morning they would huddle you together and all they were interested in telling you is what the share price was and if it had gone up two pence or down two pence and to me you know that was pointless you know more importantly what are we doing about the shro- you know the loads of people that are going out the back door you're only interested in bringing people in the front door meanwhile you're not caring about the people that are already in here or that are going out the back door so i really um i think it was 2001 definitely was 2001. I'd had my youngest son then in the April. I went back to work basically two weeks before 9-11 and um, remember that vividly. And then the November of that year, I had this just decision. It was like a absolute cast iron decision. I was leaving and I had a really good job. I earned more than my husband at that point. I had a company car. I had um, private health. I really, you know, everything. And I just was like, I cannot do it there. It's, t- it's taken my soul. Um, right. And a guy offered me a job to work with his business, a financial, well, to train as a mortgage advisor, a financial planner, whatever. And I just took a leap of faith. Um, I had really no idea where we were going. Bless that. He had a B bonus at work. So we got a wee barred fiesta with that. And off I went on this adventure. No idea where it was going, but I was giving up a pretty decent job just to go and do this because I just couldn't do it anymore. It was actually killing my soul.
0: Right, okay. Okay, so you take this le- leap of faith mm. and walk out of something which is really secure. I mean, I mean, had you just had you not had these wobbles about about prioritizing uh, profit over people and things like that and mm. and and seeing what was going on it's possible that you could still be there, right? Absolutely. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. It was and a climbed
0: great the ladder. People.
1: Yeah, and great people and some of the people that I met there are still my best friends. You know, like lovely people, great times, great laugh. Um, but it was weird. I just, my it, it was, it was just, I couldn't do it anymore. No.
0: Um, so you go to work with, uh, with, uh, with the new companies, looking at new and different things. Um, something must have happened where, because there are many people in financial advisory roles, financial planning roles, that go on and keep doing that. More financial planning, more financial advisory, blah, blah, mm. blah. But something, this this thing about wanting to help people came through yeah. quite strong with you, right?
1: Yeah, so I spent uh, uh, various firms. Um, so 2001, um, right through to probably 2008. I, that's when I've studied really hard. I've always felt, I put it on a post today. I always felt like a round peg trying to be squished in a, a, a square hole. Um, in financial advice i don't know why and um, i've worked with some lovely people i've worked with some shady people and um, so but i just never felt i fitted in i never felt that what you know i loved financial planning it is absolutely the key to a lot of people making sure that they're um doing the right thing so i i love planning i'm um evangelical about it but i wanted more i wanted to create I don't know it was like a well-being I wanted I've worked with people or I have advised people who have next to no money and next to no income and are perfectly content in life and um, some people have got next to no money who it's horrendous for them but I have worked with people on low incomes and worked in low income areas perceived low income areas who are absolutely content with life I've also worked with people or advised people who have sold businesses and had millions in the bank and they're miserable you know they aren't content I remember one guy who sold a business and his biggest worry was losing this money or what to do with it. And and he was losing sleep over that. And it was the most amount of money ever seen in his life. So it intrigues me that you can have wide range scales and it affects people. So, you know, their emotions so adversely, or it can affect you and it's often not to do with the money it's to do with how you are as a person or what your contentment is. Don't get me wrong. I believe everybody needs a certain level of income Mm -hmm. to thrive, to be able to put a roof over their head, food on the table, and to look after their kids if if they want kids. So there is a certain level that people need. um, And that can be different for different people. I call it your X factor. Different people, X factors are different depending what their enjoyment is. But there becomes a point when any more money is not gonna affect you. know, I don't think it's gonna affect your contentment. So that has intrigued me so i've studied a lot about that and um, the advice stuff i loved I, i'm passionate about pensions pensions are beautiful things and um, i stepped away from advising on them now but i you know i spent a long time evangelizing about pensions because you are- just
0: hear all the. Can you, if you just listen you can hear all the pension advisors oh, no
1: yes! they're, amazing. <laughs> they're, they're like their tax efficiency of them the flexibility of them they're just beautiful things, but I, I, I've given that up. And I had a great job, but again this year I was dragged away from that because it was not where I was meant to be. There's always been this thing. I actually feel I like now am where I'm meant to be. I would say this. So,
0: year so, so, this year for the first time yeah. you feel as if the the, you've, this is the marble's falling into the slot. Absolutely. Um, so, just just let us. You, you did a bit of work with various different companies when you left the bank, but then suddenly um, in 2014 you. Officially start, yeah, it's debt with dignity, right? Yeah, so can you for people who don't know about this, some people will know because a lot of people know you, and a lot of people know your husband as well, Zach. Big shout out to Zach Fleming. More
1: people know him,
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I was going to say something about Dundee there, some derogatory, bit Dundee, but he'll never me. Listen, him, so I'm from Peter
1: Head, and some people say derogatory things about that, so <laughs> I'll just like to add,
0: yeah, so I really, don't say
1: anything right. about Dundee.
0: Quite right too. Quite right too. So, give us the give us the pitch on how you came about and what okay. Ditch, Ditch Debt with Dignity is for.
1: So, I haven't really you don't, I haven't discussed with you how this came about. So, in two thousand and eight, maybe two thousand and nine, I can't remember the exact date. I, I I had a dream. Um, it was a Saturday night into Sunday morning. I woke up at five in the morning and I wrote down this dream. And part of that dream was Ditch Debt with Dignity, the full name, everything. And it was a whole journey of how you take someone um, from vulnerability to resilience with regards to their finances. So I wrote down that dream in 2009, but it was so big and so scary that I just thought, I can't do this. So I didn't really do much with it. I kind of helped people. This was an actual
0: dream, real dream. Five.
1: dream, dream, dream. I had a dream. So I wrote it down. I know uh, that's what worries me. People look at this going, just Carter off now. So... Um, through my work as a financial planner, so um, I had come across people who on the outside look like they're financially stable or even affluent because of the cars they drive, the houses they live in, um, you know, their lifestyle would look to the outside world that they had it all. But privately, they were in financial crisis. So I had done a bit of that in the past, but the name for a charity or setting up a charity had never been a thing. And then I had this dream. So I didn't do anything with it. I mean, I'm a wifey. Bay Bridge done, you know, I was busy ferrying my kids to school and just, you know, working away, doing my finance thing. But so the thought of setting up a charity was way too scary. In 2014, I finally got the courage um, with the help of some others, a couple other people, because you need a minimum three trustees. And people have come and gone and they have supported me through this. And I have made mistakes and I have, you know, hands up. But people have come alongside me at various points that have got us to where we are now. So I sat down. I was sitting at the radiator across there with the application form. Now, a debt charity now has to be authorised by the FCA. It didn't used to be the year before, like 2013, but it moved that it had to be authorised by the FCA. And I had been told because of the change in the legislation, it probably was going to take us a year to eighteen months to get registration. That was fine by me because I was ready to have a charity. But I knew in order for us to help as many people as possible and to try and get some funding, because it, it costed about two or three thousand a year, three thousand pounds a year to set up the charity, I'll never earn a penny from ditch debt. So part of the dream was, Wendy, you'll never earn a penny. Whatever happens, just know this, you'll never earn a penny from the work you do there. And that's cool by me. Not often as cool was that, because I've given up jobs that have paid good money because I have to come to this job. That's cool. It'll work out in the end. I know it will. So um, did the application, sent it off, and thought, fine, I'll, worry, I'll chase it up in six months' time. Six weeks later, I got a letter to say we were approved. We ha- I had a charity. So I was like, wow. and it was like when we took our eldest son home, Kieran, and I remember Zach and I coming through the front door with the, like the thing, you know, um, and put his car seat down in the living room. And we just looked at each other and I'm like, do we just leave him in there until he's six? Cause I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Not a scooby, and you can imagine Zach. He kn- we <laughs> had no idea what we're doing. This poor kid, we're just like, just stay in that car seat till you're six because <laughs> it's, it's a nightmare. But we got there, he's 22 now, so he survived.
0: He did well. We did- did
1: well. Yeah. So, had this charity, probably went and laid down in a darkened room for a few days and thought, I've no it So, there we have it. We start that started in 2014, and um, goodness, and it is for. And I really strongly believe, and it still is to this day, we come alongside people who, on the outside, look like they have it all, but are privately struggling. We've got, you know, some of our clients' kids at private school; um, they ha- you know, it's, it, and there's no judgment. So I say, part of the remit is when you come to work with Ditch Debt or volunteer with us, is I can't have anybody doing the face. You know, I'm not going to judge anybody. I've not walked their path. I don't know what they've gone through. So. Most people that come to us have judged themselves so badly. There's so much shame and guilt that we yeah, are. They've
0: done all the, ju- all, all the yeah, judging, judging that needs they don't, to be done. We don't
1: need to be judging anybody. We need to draw a line in the sand and move forward and move them from a place of shame, blame to responsibility. I don't believe in shame and envy or blame and envy, but we can take responsibility and get a plan in place and see what the next step is and move forward.
0: I love that that term that you just said there, vulnerability to resilience, because it mm. actually, you know, extremely relevant for what you're talking about, but also extremely relevant for a number of different areas of business, right? Particularly COVID-related, COVID-impacted areas of business. How do we move from vulnerability to resilience? I love that. But in in the context of what you're doing with Ditch Debt, I know you're talking about the types of people that you're helping and all that, but. In, in brief, if you if you're able to and if you want to, um, what what does if there is such a thing as the process look like with with, a, with just a made up client? How does it how so does it work?
1: Every client is dealt, is is approached uniquely. There's a process that we go through, but I think the main thing that the message I put out to the team is we work at the client's pace, so nobody will be forced to do anything. That they don't feel comfortable doing we will never take the power away from the client we will never um take the control away from the client that is really important we empower our clients we are not looking to say but sometimes people just need need to come alongside them to bear a bit of the burden for a wee while so for example we have some clients who just can't open their mail anymore but it's important we see this stuff so we know who we're dealing with so we will take bags of mail off of people and sort it out And then we will write to their creditors and ask for breathing space. Um, And then we will negotiate with their creditors on their behalf. We will go through a budget plan. We will look at their options to see what is affordable for them, to see if we can put an affordable debt repayment plan in place with their creditors that's not going to keep them in there for years and years and years. So if a client's debts are at a level where it's not affordable to repay it on an agreed terms with the interest frozen and the charges frozen, If it's going to be too long, then we do look at other options. Now, we don't um, provide those other options, but we have links with and referrals with agencies that can actually help people. Again, charities um, and other agencies that can help people go into other options. But for us, all the clients we work with, we get them into an affordable, um, flexible plan with our creditors. And the creditors, we find them really easy to deal with, especially just now creditors have been told that they have to treat their customers fairly and that their customers are vulnerable and they have to be aware of that so we do all that we do all the um mediating between the creditor and the client and then we meet regularly and we support them and we empower them to to make their decisions what's right for them mm-hmm. and we're with them right through until their debts are repaid
0: it's just incredible. It's just, and, and and I guess the fact that you've been do it, doing it now for so long that you've got people that you've you've taken from vulnerability yeah, to absolutely. resilience, right?
1: It's hard, but also we've got people who, so one of our clients, sadly, has been, I think, made redundant three times since we've been working with him. And it's really hard mm. um, to watch that. But we are able to step in with them go back to the creditors, get the payments reduced to a pound for a while. Then he gets another job. Then we get the payments back up again. Um, I'm in awe of the clients that we work with. I yeah. It's a privilege to work. Um, I don't do the hard work. They do the hard work. And it's really, really hard. One, to get over maybe a feeling of shame or guilt and to ask for help, particularly if you're earning 150 grand a year and you've looked after your family since you've left uni or whatever, and you provide for your family and you provide for your kids and everybody looks to you as a provider to find yourself in a situation where you really can't do that anymore because your credit cards are maxed. Um, You've been doing everything in your power to to keep everything going and you're alone. Um, And it's really hard for some people. And that's about, particularly men, I'm not being sexist, you know, particularly men find it hard to be vulnerable and find it hard um, to show weakness and not that I think it's weakness to ask for help. It's actually really brave to actually ask for help. Um so yeah, I I I anyone who asks for help from us, I I applaud them because it takes a huge amount of courage to ask for help.
0: No, absolutely. It's um it's you know, it's the bravery part comes from from, from saying ah. Just, I need to talk to someone about this and I need to get it out there. That's the brave part. It doesn't take bravery to stay quiet about things. It takes bravery to front up to issues and all of that. So so you are, when people are feeling really wobbly and got themselves into a position, you're a handrail, a support, a crutch, and allow people to get um, a hold of a situation which might be spiraling out of control and probably is, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: I think it's absolutely fabulous. you're doing other things as well, but Ditch, yeah. d- ditch Deck with Dignity is a core of what you so do, So I right? do
1: um, Ditch with debt with Dignity sort of two days a week currently. It is my mm-hmm. priority. We've been very fortunate to be given some funding by the government to um, do a couple of projects that we're working on, which I'm really excited about. We'll hopefully be able to release, um, you know, by the end of the year, one project next year. I'm all about trying to give people the fishing rod, not the fish. So it's all about trying to get tools and things out there that can empower people to to help themselves, although we will always be there if they need us. So when we work with clients, we are not looking about them becoming dependent on us. We are gradually, you know, as their emotional state gets better, as they're able to sort of see the wood from the trees, they very much make more decisions around things. We're there in the background, but, you know, I suppose it's like stabilizers on a, a bike. Yeah. You know, just and sometimes, so we need to put the stabilizers on again, and that's cool. Um, but it's really trying to eventually take the stabilizers off. So I do that. But um, I had to give up, sadly, give up. Not sadly. Um, I loved my pensions job. I've just left a job with um my hero. I, I can't believe this time last year, August last year, um, a guy called John Reynolds, who is um the pension professor, asked me um to come and work with them, and I had just given up the the job before which i loved and i loved the people that worked there and it was really hard for me to walk away from that but i knew i had to focus on other things but john out of the blue offered me this job and i said no i can't do this because i'm off to do this adventure you know the dream i had and all the rest of it and he's convinced me that i should come and work with him and it was amazing and and i kind of said i would stay till next year but bless him in a meeting that we were having in August with all the team, I just had that feeling again. And I thought, and poor Zach, I phoned him and I said, I'm going to have to leave this job. And it was good money. And I was doing what I thought I loved. and I did love it, but I just knew in my heart of hearts, it was, Wendy, you're nearly 50 next year. You have to actually get on with the vision. So I did. So I've now, um, I've actually given up my advisor role or my registration that I've had for 20 years. Although I'm still a qualified, I'm still chartered and certified, but I'm not, I can't give regulated advice, which means right. I sell a product. I can't, I don't do regulated advice. But I work with people and I work with advisors. So I work with financial planners, which I love to encourage and coach and mentor them because I've been there. And I also work with people who feel financially vulnerable, even though they have money, um, maybe someone who's divorced, bereaved, is making a big life decision. Um, so I work with them in that period. It's sometimes it sometimes they are not ready to, to get advice or be with an advisor because they've still got a lot of stuff in their head they need to work out. They, they don't yeah. feel confident in themselves to make financial decisions. And it's important that someone feels confident with their financial decision when they're working with an advisor. And advisors are really good at that as well, but I've really sort of refined a program. It's a more in-depth mentoring and coaching program that I've been working on for the last five years, which is not about advice. It's this bit before the advice, which is you know solid financial foundation, looking at what they want out of life and it goes into a lot of depth so i'm really enjoying that and i do that sort of a day or two a week and um, and the third thing which has not happened until next, i've been working on this thing for the last five years called financial works it's a social enterprise zach and i have been working on it together um, which is about financial education for um young adults and um, children and young adults but that's had to be kind of put on not on hold. Well, it not a hold until January next year. But we've got really exciting things happening there about SQA qualifications, and um, really empowering our young adults and children uh, to build a solid financial future. Um, you know, empowering them through education, knowledge, etc. Um, but again, that's that's going to be next year. So yeah,
0: that's that. So we we will we will um, tentatively book a a Cruxcast next year to talk about is it Financial Works? Did you call it?
1: Yeah, it's financial works. Yeah,
0: financial works when it's when it's, when it's when no. it's ready. It's going to
1: get noisy. Really sorry, I did warn you. This is that's a, all right. That's the dog right. has appeared back from with my friend. The dog. We
0: are we are dog friendly at Crusty. Yeah, Yes, fine. Friendly. So
1: I'm sorry about the woofing in the back. No
0: problem. No problem. Hey, listen, we got the message across. Um, so listen, if this is about if there are people. And, you know, it's it's easy to say that there, there are people who it, this whole situation has been exas- exacerbated a little bit with oh, and all of that, right? So horrendous. It, it'd be very easy to say, phone me and I'll fix everything. But if you work with people who are financially got themselves into a, a vulnerable state with finances, right?
1: Yeah.
0: What are you urging people to do? If you could stand with a megaphone and speak to all of the people yeah. that, that, that are so, in that position. So what is one thing that they could do to just, just settle themselves a little bit
1: what they need to do is try not to panic and breathe it's always i always say to people just breathe stand up and breathe somebody told me if you stand up and put your arms like that just go like that and breathe okay so do that the second thing i would say is please don't hide away from it so creditors currently want to talk to you they they should be nice to you and understanding so tell them phone them if you are able to them up if you're not able to and you need somebody to do that for you email advice at ditch dignity dignity.com or go to our website new website launching tomorrow nice. um, so um
0: didn't even know that this is beautiful yeah
1: new and i know well i didn't so luckily now it's not just me thankfully there is a team so i was advised today that the new website's launching tomorrow we've got a really good team cool so um advice at ditch if you can't face phone in them the main thing is your creditors, like anything, they just want you to communicate with them. They will be understanding initially, well, but quite a lot in the current situation, they're going to be understanding. So communicate with them, tell them where you're at, and ask them what the options are. Now, you can some creditors will let you pay a pound, um, you know, for six, maybe 12 months if it's credit cards. Um, There's other things. You have to be aware of your your credit ratings. I have to add that in. Obviously anything that you, if you don't keep up the um, agreed payments, the contracted payments, it's gonna affect your credit rating. But it comes a point when you need to prioritize putting food on the table and paying your electricity. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, yeah. Over your
1: head. So I would just say the main thing is communicate with your creditors and tell them your situation and they should be understanding. The main things you need to pay are your council tax, your mortgage rent, um, your gas electric, your TV license, believe it or not, because you can get to take into court for that. Things like credit cards and personal loans are what we class are not essentially priority debts normally. Obviously, I don't know any situation that's looking on here, but there are priority and non-priority. So there's things to be done. The other thing is, in Scotland, very rare anyone gets into your house to take anything. That is... It doesn't happen. It's very rare. The very odd occasion they go through court, but it's very rare. And people losing their house also, lenders want to avoid that. That is a long, long process before somebody loses their house. So, But if anybody feels that situation's occur, ask for help. But it it takes, you know, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before somebody would, you know, be losing their house. But
0: I'm guessing the point is, you know, the average Joe... Uh, like me for instance you can only there's, there's probably if if the situation has maybe inflated a little bit and you're mm. you're getting really vulnerable there's mm. maybe many conversations with people who are offering things that maybe you don't understand and your point is yeah you do understand this yeah you can help and you can talk to these people on their behalf and get totally. these frameworks in place to. to
1: and another it. good another good place to go is a, a organization called step change they've got really good information i go on there sometimes to just check out that we are you know um, they've got really good information. What you've got to watch, there's a lot of shysters out there who look like they're charities and they're not. And they also will push you into formal arrangements um, which might not be suitable, like a trustee or a bankruptcy, because they're going to earn out of it. Now, Yikes. I'm saying Yikes. that trustees and bankruptcies don't have their place. They absolutely do for some people who mm. have so much debt that they need a clean slate. But my experience and what I've seen, I've seen people and push down the trustee route where they didn't need to go there. Um, so without actually being told all the options, all, you know, looking, and that's what I do with clients. We go through an option sheet, pros, cons. What do you feel about that? This is effects. This is the steps. We go through a decision tree. So it's very important. You just, and I know when you're panicking, you just want it fixed. You just want it done. You just yeah. want it to go away. Yeah. So take your time, pause. You can get breathing space from your creditors and take your time to work out what your options, what the right option is for you.
0: I, I think that is a brilliant place to end this. Um, this is this is fabulous. And I guess just 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 sing out the website once more, will you, the, the yeah. website? for
1: So it's www.ditchdebtwithdignity.com. And the email address is if you're struggling in financial crisis and you just, you know, you need... Some support, a listening ear, no judgment, totally confidential. Nobody ever yeah. knows who deals with us. It's so important. I mean, I was speaking to the girls today. It's a ring of steel in our office. Nothing. Yeah. Nobody knows who we deal with. And it's advice at ditchdebtwithdignity.com.
0: Brilliant. Wendy, we are going to it leave the it dream. there. The dream
1: had been given a slightly shorter name because it is half a long, but that's for the dream. <laughs> <laughs> it was the dream.
0: <laughs> like, it was the no, dream. It was like, oh, <laughs> do you ever wonder if you're still asleep
1: no sometimes (laughs) go to sleep because it's like too much no yeah no it's too it's it's good it's a privilege it's good
0: no it's it's brilliant and what you do is absolutely fantastic listen listen thank you so much i hope this gets out to people because i i know that you want to help more people
1: yeah that's what you want
0: to do um so you won't be bothered in the slightest through the phone or the emails ring off the hook that's email
1: email please email we're here
0: absolutely listen fantastic we're going to check in with you at some point later on um to check out about financial works for young people which is really cool uh but thank you so much for joining us today it was brilliant
1: thank you thank you
0: all right we'll see you soon bye-bye